Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast for September 16th, 2021. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer doing communications for Chapter 49. If I sound a little different, if I look a little different, I've got some dental issues and I cannot see my dentist until tomorrow. So, uh, Duncan, you'll appreciate this. Uh, The mayor of Fisher, the city where I live, I saw him last night. He said I look like a hockey player. So, uh, and you work for a hockey team. You've been around some hockey players. Yes, I have. And trust me, you, you, you know, if you've got any teeth at all, you're doing much better than most <laughs> hockey players that I worked with back in the day. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel so. Those guys, the, the, the puck is not forgiving with your mouth. So, yeah, there's nothing no. much you can do about that. So, Duncan, welcome back. Good to talk to you again. I think we should start off by just saying we, we thank the National Union. We had us, our guest, uh, the executive vice president at the national level, and and we had quite a, a a response to that. And then the National Union put a link to our podcast, our audio podcast, onto their FAQs, which is still up there. So we are we have seen an explosion of people watching and listening to our podcast. And and last week we we did I think give people a pretty good overview from both lawyerly and from the top of the union uh, viewpoint as as to what's going on with vaccinations and that will once again be the lead issue for us today so uh, it's it's kind of amazing our little podcast just for Indiana has started uh, to explode here lately yeah and it's because we give out we you know strive to you and I both strive to get out great information when we have guests the guests are very informative um last week's podcast to me couldn't have gone any better because jim bailey is a wealth of information he has a very sharp legal mind been doing this for decades you handle how to question and follow up very very well i was there for basically just throwing in little things but um you know i attribute jim just did a wonderful job and this is Nothing I would say in front of him. <laughs> yes, uh, the, the dynamic between the two of you is quite interesting, but that's true. Yeah, Jim and I go back a long way. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say one thing for uh, everyone's benefit. We try to make this a weekly podcast, but next week, uh, due to scheduling, uh, we will not be uh, producing a podcast, so just be aware of that. We will be back in two weeks, so uh, we're not going away uh, for a long period of time, but we will be gone next week. Now, while we're gone, keep in mind, we will still be updating our Facebook page. You can find our Facebook page by going to Facebook and simply uh, uh, going there and doing a search under NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. You do that search, you'll find it, like it, and or follow us, and you'll get all the updates in your Facebook news feed. We're up to almost 400 people who either follow or like that page, so uh, it's it's getting popular. We try to put information up there as quickly as possible, but we also use the uh, podcast to discuss in more depth uh, some of the issues. So uh, just a couple and, of uh, And I'll be up. sending out emails um, as information breaks, uh, on issues that we'll be talking about today or, you know, that may crop up later. And that does bring us to the, uh, once again, the issue of the day, the vaccinations, the vaccination mandate that was issued by the president in an executive order. We've read that executive order and we're waiting on more details about all that. 
And there have been some rather interesting developments in, on, on that scene, and I would like you to update all of us on that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, they've come out now with management has come out and saying they're really pushing people to get the, uh, do the attestation form. Previously, the guidance that we've done on this podcast and that Nashville's done is that that was not required. At this point, I'm going to say that if you're told by, if you're directed by management to fill out the attestation form, that I would advise you to do so because it is not illegal and I don't want to get anybody jammed up by following a legal order that could get them in trouble for insubordination. You still have the option to say, you know, I don't wish to disclose this. The reason I say that the, you know, this is just like COVID, you know, as we learn more, as it mutates, as things change, the advice changes. You know, we were okay starting to drop masks with people who were vaccinated. Then Delta came along and, you know, that advice changed. Well, now we've gone from, well, there was a testing option to it's a mandate for employees to be vaccinated. So that's why I'm changing my advice and guidance to people and saying, go ahead, fill out the attestation form. If you don't wish to disclose at this point, you can put it that way. Will that change later on? Very possibly. We don't know. There's still a lot of ongoing discussions between national NTU and national IRS. And quite frankly, right now, IRS doesn't have the guidance to even start to know how to proceed. And it should be noted, and uh, Jim Bailey did note this last time, that there is a group uh, at the White House or appointed by the White House, all in, involved with either a White House staff or appointees of the president who are all getting together and making decisions as to how this is going to run. I think we have some background music, Duncan. Is that you or Yeah, me? you know, I, it, it, this, is, this is a working office, so by golly, <laughs> the phones are going to go off, the computer goes off. It's just one of those things. Okay, so just I, you have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that was the elephant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there'll be the music chimes in. Just don't worry. Let's you know, it's just something that happens. As Duncan said, he's trying to work even as we're doing the podcast, multitasking to the nth degree. Uh, all right, what were we talking about? We're talking about uh, the safer group from the White House, and the safer group from the White House is is putting these guidelines out originally. You know, it was there were supposed to be some guidance guidance available today, Thursday, uh, on the sixteenth. I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, I'm hearing more reports that this guidance will come out next week. But we do expect to get more details about how people should file for these reasonable accommodations, such as medical. What do you have to present to the management if you're saying you have a medical exception to taking the vaccination or if you have the sincerely held religious beliefs that we talked about last week with Jim Bailey. I think the, the bottom line is you can file for a reasonable accommodation now, but you don't know the guidelines, so you're at a disadvantage if you do it now. Am I following this correctly? I, exactly. I would not file for reasonable accommodation yet. There's still a lot of unanswered questions as to exactly what is going to qualify for reasonable accommodations, what is not, because there are people do will have medical issues that their doctors will say do not get the vaccination either yet or at all because of their immune systems. 
and you'll need documentation from those physicians. Will that have to go be vetted through federal occupational health? Will they want their doctors to talk to your doctor? We don't know that yet. Then when you come up with sincerely held religious beliefs, you know, that's going to be something else. What documentation is going to be there? I have no official word or knowledge, but a real educated guest would say that if you say, I have a sincerely held religious belief that I should not get the vaccine, that's not going to be enough. I do not believe that'll be enough. And again, what that accommodation could be, as Jim explained last week, the accommodation for uh, religious is much lower standard than it is for medical. It's a different standard. And it could be something, you know, that the accommodation may be something that works for the service, but doesn't work for you. So there are a whole bunch of variables right now that we don't know. And that's why we're asking people to hold off on submitting that reasonable accommodation form yet. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And I think that's an important point I want to emphasize for everyone. Uh, yes, you are allowed these uh, reasonable accommodations. Medical will wait to see what you have to show. And on, re, uh, I think we have to go back on this sincerely held religious belief. I'm sure the service will want some information on that. Uh, both the private sector and uh, government sector, they both don't want to start getting into this. Do you have a sincerely held religious belief or not? They try not to get into that as much as possible. But I think the most, most, important, most important point, if I can kind of stumble through this uh, with you, is that the most important issue is, you. yes, the, uh, the government may say, okay, here's your accommodation, and you may not like that accommodation. Uh, if that's the case, uh, there's not, I mean, NDU will do what we can to represent you, but, you know, the law is pretty clear on this. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's is. Like I say, I go back to what Jim touched on last week and, you know, having done a lot of legal research into reasonable accommodations, it is a much lower bar uh, for the uh, employer to have to meet something on that accommodation. And one thing I do want to, you know, talk about that you were just saying, what NTU can do. You know, I've heard, I'm sure a lot of my fellow chapter presidents, I can tell you that national office has heard you know, NTU is not doing enough. Why isn't NTU representing us? What are they doing? You know, sometimes you'll hear information that you don't like and that it's legal and you're not happy with. I understand that. I get that. But wanting to blame the IRS, NTEU, for not doing certain things about this, you know, like people saying, well, they can't. Why isn't NTU doing anything about the vaccine mandate? Has uh, national office, Tony Reardon has sent out information about this. Jim touched on it last week. We've researched this backwards and forwards legally. And there is a hundred plus years of case law that say the federal government can mandate these vaccines for public safety for the executive branch employees. So if, if there's, if there's an option that we can hang our hats on, we'll certainly do it. And they're continuing to look for it. But getting upset with NTEU because of this mandate is saying that they're not doing anything is just wrong. Well, just from our conversation with Jim Bailey and your communications with people uh, 
at the top echelons of NTEU. I, that's probably what those people have been spending most of their time on for the last several weeks. The, the whole issue over vaccinations, the beginning of the attestation forms, and then this, this mandate that came out from the White House. I mean, they're looking at this from every possible angle. But sometimes the law is clear, and there's only so much that a union can do. And I think NTEU will do everything it can to represent people as uh, we go through this whole reasonable accommodation process. And Jim Bailey kind of intimated that's where the rubber meets the road, and that's where the chapter leaders of the various chapters, and I know we have people listening in Indiana, but also uh, people who listen throughout the country now, that your local chapters will be handling any of these issues on an individual basis, and and uh, that's how it's going to be handled. Every case is a little bit different, but uh, you need to know what your chances are before we, we go into that whole process. A reasonable accommodation issue has always been uh, something that the, the, uh, the union can challenge through our contract. Yeah, it, you know, and that's the whole phrasing of it, reasonable accommodation. Is it reasonable for the government to do something? You know, a lot of people are saying, I just want to work from home, period. I don't want to get vaccinated. Well, is that going to be reasonable for the government once the evacuation order is lifted? You just don't know. We have not gotten that information. And again, that's where that rubber meets the road that Jim was referring to. We haven't gotten down that far yet. We are, you know, it's a little bit less than one week since this evacuation order was announced as we record this. Um, and somebody said to me earlier, you know, isn't this like, hasn't this only been done for six days? And I'm like, yeah, but it's like dog years. It feels like 42 days. Well, I think the evacuation order has been around for a while. You're talking about the mandate, well, uh, The right? vaccination mandate, yeah, excuse it's, me. It's easy to misspeak that. We've got so many of these things juggling at the <laughs> same time. But I think the, the, the key here is, is that everybody needs to wait for the guidance. And once it's out, we'll let you know. Don't worry about it. The National Union will do it. Duncan's going to do it directly to the membership, and, and we'll have it on Facebook, and uh, we'll talk about it on this podcast in a couple of weeks as to where we stand on that. So are there any other comments, issues you want to you want to harp on here and just kind of zero in on before we move on to another subject? I, I just, like I said, I just want everybody to understand that you know, NTU is doing what we can, where we can, within the bounds of legal. People are saying, well, it's a political issue. No, it has, has absolutely nothing to do with politics. It has to do with settled case law, period, end of story. And the settled case law, that includes, as Jim referenced last week, a case that went to, uh, that they just had one Supreme Court justice, the newest one, for Indiana University students who said, we don't want to be vaccinated and be required to do that to attend. And the you know newest conservative Supreme Court justice said, no, it's settled case law. They have the right to do that. So when we're saying that legally the president has the right to do this mandate, we are looking at every angle to try and take care of every member's concern. But sometimes the answer is not going to be what you're happy with. People would like to drive 70 miles an hour on Interstate 465 here in Indianapolis. But that's not the speed limit. The legal speed limit is 55 miles an hour. 
You mean there really is a legal speed limit on the Indianapolis interstate? I don't know if I... It's 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 surprising. <laughs> people think they're trying to qualify for the 500, but uh, yes, there is a speed limit. And I've... people do get pulled over and people get ticketed and get upset, but it's the law. And again, that's what we go back to. It's the law. So I, I think we just want to caution people. I mean, there's nothing preventing you from turning in a, a reasonable accommodation request. We just wouldn't recommend it. Now, we want to know what the rules of the road are and be able to advise you on how to put that together and help you with that if you choose to go that route, either for a, a medical reason not to be vaccinated or a sincerely held religious belief. We want to make sure you put your best foot forward in making that case. So, um, you know, you certainly are entitled to do that, and we will move forward that way. Uh, as we move forward in this podcast you know we talked about this with jim bailey last time uh there are two issues facing all government workers now the first one is the budget that is uh, running our agencies the ability to pay for our federal government uh, is running out at the end of this month our fiscal year ends at the end of september we don't have a budget in place the house has done some budget work the senate has done None, as I understand it, up to this <laughs> point. Now, uh, that that that's one issue. The other issue is sometime in October, the debt ceiling will be reached and the government may not have the legal authority to pay its bills. So let's start with the continuing resolution possibility because when there is no budget in place by the end of the fiscal year, the normal procedure is to pass a continuing resolution. Sometimes the Congress talks about the so-called clean resolution, meaning that's all that's in the measure, and it sails through both houses. Sometimes there are members that try to, you know, tack something onto it that might be controversial, that would be a poison pill where it wouldn't pass. So um, what do we know now about the budget as we face the end of the fiscal year in just a couple of weeks? That um, they're going to have to get to work pretty darn quick on something because in two weeks, we will be shut down. We have heard that there are talks about a continuing resolution. And again, you hit on the exact issue. Is it going to be a, quote, clean resolution and just funding at this year's level? Or are they going to be talking about adding some other things in that, um, you know, one party or the other, uh, specifically the White House, has an interest in adding on to so we just don't know at this point, but they're going to need to get this hashed out pretty quick because I don't think it's anybody's interest to uh, have any sort of shutdowns. Yeah, the last thing you want is a shutdown with everything else going on. I mean, we have right. enough going on now. You put a shutdown on top of that and, and heaven help us all. So we'll be watching that. We'll be using Facebook to update you if it's something critical. Duncan will send out an email to the membership, and of course, in a couple of weeks, we'll bring this up, hopefully with good news, uh, about the budget situation in a couple of weeks that we're, we're still going to be showing up for work. The other part of this is the uh, debt ceiling. That's actually a different issue with some of the same impacts. It wouldn't shut the government down, but could uh, become very complicated in any agency being able to fulfill its mission and and keep everything running. And, and that's a whole different issue. And there hasn't been a lot said about that recently. No, there hasn't been near enough talked about um, on this. The debt ceiling should be something that's pretty automatic. And in fact, has been raised at different times over the years to be automatic. But instead, it's become 
a battle of political wills. And, you know, it's just we need to pay the bills that we've already appropriated for. That's what the debt ceiling is is raised for. Um, you know, if if the debt ceiling were not to be raised, aside from um, the catastrophic effect it could have on things like the stock market, the bond market and things like that because of the uh, shaken faith in the American uh, government to pay its bills, you know, they may say, okay, well, yeah, you're going to have to uh, come to work because the government's still open. We just don't know when we're going to be able to pay you because we don't have the debt ceiling, so we don't have the funds to uh, pay people yet. So, I mean, that's a possibility as well down the road. I don't foresee that happening because, um, to be honest with you, doing a, a not raising the debt ceiling is like playing a game of chicken uh, against a brick wall where you're driving a car. You're going to lose. Um, this is not something that you want to play with, and I think that in the end, eventually, we'll have enough uh, folks that will go ahead and raise the debt ceiling. Um, but it's just the histrionics and the theatrics that we have to go through to get there is frustrating. I think I mentioned this in my last six years of being with the service, almost six years. I was a manager, and I do remember the debt ceiling getting closed. That was the time you've mentioned in, uh, before when Moody's a debt rating service actually downgraded the federal debt that had never been done before and hasn't since because the debt ceiling in fact was raised, but there was just a simple question of that caused a downgrade in, in the, in the, uh, in the rating, which impacts how the interest rates that the government has to, to pay in order to, to uh, issue its debt and get it uh, taken care of. But I do remember meeting with uh, my boss about what bills we can pay, what bills we cannot pay if the debt ceiling is, is not uh, lifted and, and increased. And it was the most complicated thing I ever saw. By the time you had it figured out, the debt ceiling would be raised anyway. So uh, <laughs> it would that's, be. That's about the truth. It's, it's one of the most complicated situations because it would be legally difficult to figure out what you can pay. For and what you can't pay for. Well, you certainly pay for all that music in the background. I, you seem to be having, <laughs> getting a lot of attention, Duncan. People are trying to call you. So, uh, well, we'll let you return those phone calls as soon as we're done. There's another issue that is pending, and I do want you to talk about this because it particularly impacts people working out in the field, revenue officers, revenue agents, other people that work in the field. There are some others as well. And the whole issue has come up lately about sharing of desks because not everybody is in the office every day even when we go back uh, to the way it was where people are required to come into the office at least two times every pay period or every two-week period if you will uh, that it will come back at some point when the evacuation order is lifted it's still there we're st a lot of people are still working at home and not coming in the office at all it's all for health reasons or trying to tamp down covid and so forth but the question then comes up, all right, you know, people I think at the IRS and, you know, for ages have always had their own desk. Even if you're working in the field, you always know you can go back to your desk. It's always organized in a certain way. You know where to find things. And, Duncan, whether we like it or not, those days are, are going away, are they not? Yes, they are. Um, as we look at the hiring numbers that they're anticipating this year and in the years following, um, they're going to be more and more 
situations where they're going to be going to what they call hoteling, which is shared desk space. The contract allows for anyone who is uh, out of the office, either in field work or, um, you know, working telework at home, more than 80 hours a month, if you're on frequent telework, more than 80 hours a month, that they can go to a three-to-one desk sharing. Legally, they can do that right now. Now, we haven't had that occur in a lot of posts of duty in Indiana. As a matter of fact, only in one post of duty up in Maryville in Indiana. And I know that in most of the post of duties across the U.S., they don't have this. But it's going to be coming. And in a briefing I was in yesterday, they were talking about wanting to do, um, you know, all the way up to possibly six to one, which I, you know, at first when they were telling me about this and saying they wanted to have a meeting about it, I was like, you're freaking dreaming if you're thinking six to one. Um, but I didn't use that polite of language. Um, the thing I did find out though, is it's only if it's necessary, only if we have that type of hiring and to get that type of hiring, if you think about it, even if you've got a small POD, they were telling me about one post of duty who I won't mention where they're talking about hiring 17 people. And I was just laughing. First off, they'd never get 17 people in this post of duty to come in. But even if they did and they went three to one, that's six desks. That's, you know, and they so they wouldn't even have to go higher than the three to one. So what I got was a commitment yesterday was it would only go higher than three to one or even desk sharing at all when it's necessary due to hiring we've had. Um, this would not impact the uh, the call site because those folks are there, you know, the entire time. But in the future, if we've got folks that are frequent teleworking in the call site or any call site across the country um, with this new contract where they're going to be able to do that, could that mean that there's desk sharing there? Absolutely. Absolutely, because those folks will also be going into the three-to-one pot right off the bat per the agreement. That's really an interesting double-edged sword. You know, you want people to have telework options, and, and so many more people will have that as a result of the new contract. And, of course, the evacuation order has created that unfortunately it's because of covid you don't like that but the fact is people are working out of their homes entirely in places like toll free where they had not before so this hoteling issue was sort of a byproduct of that and i was always you know fascinated by the fact that if you look at the irs budget there are two major expenses that the government has at the irs number one by far it would be salary and benefits that's the number mm -hmm. one expense to the to the irs but number two is rent and then you yep. go way down for the next one so those what we're seeing i think duncan is is the service saying we're going to cut back on the rent how much space we have to rent, and therefore we're going to have this hoteling issue. So when that happens, I guess the question I would ask you is, as a union president, uh, what are you looking out for? What are you pushing for as far as uh, the people who are impacted by this in terms of you know, implementation, that kind of thing? Well, the first thing I would want to see is where they're getting their data from. Um, right now they were talking about a look-back period uh, pre-COVID. And I said, well, that's 
a, a little problematic for me because um, you're going to have people who have been working from home all this time who may have made the decision that they don't want to work from home again. They're, they're tired of working from home. And as one person on the call said, and I'm not going to mention their name, said, yeah, because, you know, that their wife is tired of them being at home. And I'm like, I did not say that. You're the one that said that. Um, but, you know, somebody else then mentioned, well, there are also going to be people that have worked from home that haven't worked from home previously that really enjoyed it and don't want to come into the office as much. So you have to weigh all of those things. And I want to make sure that there's an accurate look back period. So we're taking care of the people that are going to be, you know, if you're wanting to be in the office, that you are going to have a space, but conversely, that means you're not going to be able to frequent telework. You're, the days of having your cake and eat it too are going to be dwindling uh, as rent uh, leases come up. I mean, that's just going to be a fact of life because like you said, they're looking to cut expenses where they can, but they're also looking to do these massive hires and not increase rentable space. And what do they do to get there? Hotel. Well, I, we'll keep an eye on that, and I know that that will impact a number of people, and uh, we will be notifying you in general here and on Facebook and in your emails. And, of course, you'll be notifying people in individual offices and parts of offices that are impacted by that. So we will... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Any any uh, particular post of duty that would be impacted by that, I would definitely be reaching out to all the members from the get-go, letting them know what's going on, getting their input, things of that nature. So it's, it shouldn't be a surprise, but you should be aware in general that this is coming and just uh, understand that uh, it's it's part of what we, the price we pay to get one benefit, it, it maybe doesn't give us everything we want on the other side. So that's our, our time is up, Duncan, uh, your last chance for a final comment. Um, I just want everybody to continue to be safe. I would again urge you to get vaccinated for the safety of yourself your fellow employees, your friends, your family. Uh, it's I, I believe it's the right thing to do. I hope uh, you have a good time next week um, where you and your wife are going to take some time off and have some fun. Um, and hopefully it'll be a, a good weekend. <laughs> Duncan has got a, his daughter's getting married, and uh, congratulations to you and uh, to uh, – to your daughter's uh, mom and to your daughter and your new son-in-law, it uh, should be fun. I've had two daughters get married. It's usually fun uh, to, to to be there and be the dad. So I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So do that. And yeah, my wife and I are going to take some time off. So uh, we'll hopefully enjoy that as well. And you just heard Duncan Giles. He's our chapter president here at Chapter 49. And we would like to thank you for listening to the Chapter 49 podcast. It's generally a weekly podcast. We will miss next week, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks. You can find our audio podcast on any podcast platform that you might find. Just go ahead and search under podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. And of course, you can go to YouTube, look up Duncan Giles' account, and uh, you can subscribe to the Duncan Giles uh, YouTube channel and you can find the video version of all of our podcasts. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. <music>